goal is to provide affordable and practical sustainability products to our community as well as resources. So we take great pride in the fact that all of our products are sustainably and ethically sourced and we do extensive research to make sure that we're providing the highest quality products to our community. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of Sustaining with Shana, a show where I will share all the amazing and exciting works of sustainability happening across the eastern foothills of the Appalachian Mountains to the lush farmlands of southeastern Pennsylvania. By celebrating our community, we can help to bridge the gap between local and international sustainability endeavors. Today's guest and sponsor is Jackie Bassett of FD Market. FD Market is a small, sustainable, everyday goods shop located in Emmaus, Pennsylvania. Their goal is to provide affordable and practical sustainability products and resources to their community. Better yet, their products are ethically and as locally sourced as possible. Products like alternatives to plastic wrap and storage containers to shampoo bars and toothpaste tablets. A few months ago, I was excited to learn that FD Market, a zero-waste home goods store, was finally coming to our community. It gives me hope that people now have the opportunity to go sustainable and support a small local business at the same time. I'm most excited about trying to reduce my plastic waste consumption in the bathroom. With all the products we use are stored in bottles made with terrible petrochemicals that are not good for our bodies. To start, I'm excited to try the shampoo bars that Jackie and her team sell. Do you want to give FD Market a try and begin to live a zero waste lifestyle? Well, you're in luck. As part of a special promotion, you can get 15% off your first purchase with the promo code SUSTAININGWITHSHANA. The promo code can be used on their online store as well as in person. FD Market just opened back up their physical store on June 5th. Check out their website, fdmarketco.com, for more details for their hours as well as store policies and procedures during COVID-19. Later in the show, we will learn more about Jackie and her exciting new business. But first, I would like to share a little bit more about my story and how that led me on a path to creating this platform. One of my fondest and deepest memories of the natural world was when I was eight years old and my family and I were staying in the Green Mountains of Vermont. I remember staying at the Von Trapp Family Lodge established by the family behind my favorite film, The Sound of Music. I, re 
remember the lush emerald and sage green rolling mountains as far as the eye could see. Every night we stayed there, I remember going to bed and hearing a kind of cacophony of frogs singing in the pond. We spent a fair part of that trip each day hiking through the mountains, on trails deep enough in the mountains where there was no one else except for my parents, my brother, and I. It was so quiet and peaceful that all anyone could hear was the squishy moist soil below our feet, faint trickle of a babbling brook as it meandered along the trail, or the symphony of birds singing their songs to one another. Places like this are where I distinctly remember the sweet earthly smell of wet, decaying leaves, moist soil, as well as fungus after a fresh rainstorm. <laughs> a, a smell that is just such a rejuvenating experience comprised of a potpourri of scents. This scent brings me immediate peace and a rush of fond memories. Memories of hiking in the Appalachian, Shenandoah, or Alpine Mountains. Memories that laid down the building blocks of a foundational relationship with the natural world. Over my life, and through new discoveries and curiosities, I began to discover the beauty of Mother Earth as well as the darkness that plagues her land. One of the most massive and continuous plagues is anthropogenic, or also known as human-caused climate change. It was in middle school or early high school that I began to discover that troubling reality that is climate change. I realized at the time after years of Girl Scout camping deep in the woods, celebrating Earth Day every year, partaking in cleanups, loving and appreciating the Earth was just simply not enough. Because Mother Earth was suffering at the hand of man's vicious greed of looting and polluting the Earth. Right about the time I entered middle school, the film The Inconvenient Truth came out. I remember we would have discussions about global warming around the dinner table, as well as discussing our dissatisfaction of world leaders not doing enough. Years later, when I was a sophomore or junior in high school, things started to strike closer to home. When I was in 10th grade, the very controversial film Gasland was released. It started to paint this picture of how exploitation and pillage of the land did not happen in some foreign, unknown place, but rather less than 150 miles or 240 kilometers upstream from my home. And in the wake of Pennsylvania Governor Tom Corbett's inauguration, I began to learn that people's land rights and water was being taken away and how little both the land and the people living on it were regarded by corporations and the government. 
I began to develop righteous anger and frustration that their stories were not being heard and that their rights were being taken away. I don't remember much of the grieving process I went through once I made that realization. However, I do remember feeling lost and not sure what to do next. Sure, skipping high school to go to, to protest was enlightening and really educational. And sure, it helped to have a gracious high school principal that encouraged the idea of peacefully protesting against exploitive multinational corporations. But it was isolating. I really did not have an opportunity to process the severity of the issues. My peers, mostly high school classmates at the time, were more concerned about material things. Like who was the most popular person in school or what they would wear to their prom. For me, instead of partaking events like prom my junior year, I decided to protest the graduation of a nearby college. Now, that may sound a little abrasive, but that year, the newly elected and pro-fracking governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Corbett, came to town to give a commencement address. A man that I believe never really cared about the future or the well-being of the graduates he spoke to that day, but rather this event was a publicity stunt for him. As we stood outside on a prominent street corner, we were cheered by the graduates and faculty as they processed into the ceremony, some of whom skipped graduation entirely to stand in solidarity with us. But it was also very isolating of an experience for me because most of the people there were significantly older than I was. It was hard to stand for an important issue when you feel like you're a child and your priorities on this existential issue are somehow meaningless and unimportant. It would take another decade before I felt a sense of belonging and standing with my comrades fighting for a more just and sustainable world. All these experiences with the earth and both pure and toxic for the first 18 to 19 years of my life influenced me to continue my education and learn more about the natural world. Initially, when I went off to university, I wanted to become a zoologist or a conservationist, but life had a different plan for me. Ultimately, I changed my major and ended up majoring in environmental geography and found a home where I could fully be myself and discover the science behind what was driving our current climate crisis. I was even fortunate enough to be able to conduct my own research as well as present it at several conferences throughout my time at university. We looked at the effects that climate change has on cotton production in states like Texas. Seeing these changes in just under 
30 years really proves to me that this issue is not just going on for the last 30 years, but much longer. And much longer than we like to tell ourselves. And the data was right there in front of my eyes to prove it. As I continue to grow as an environmental professional and a woman of the world, my time at university was a breakthrough moment for me. I also began to discover a community of young people concerned about climate change and a faith community that was and is still willing to pick me up when I fall. It was here I began to discover that the world is a lot less isolating and that my peers share similar values as me. Eventually, both those paths have crossed and would later be fused together. In this faith community, I found a lot of people that share similar euphoric and spiritual experiences with the natural world. We would go on hikes together or go on retreats every summer. A lot of times we would spend that time nestled deep in the woods somewhere in rural Pennsylvania. While living in this community and talking about important issues, and climate change usually was always brought up at some point or another. Graduation day eventually came and we're still in a communion with one another. But fast forward to about a year or so later. After hearing concerns of the geography department I obtained my degree through, and of course with their blessing, I started the initiative to demand that Kutztown University become an environmentally conscious and sustainable institution of higher ed. Nearly three years later, I was impressed by how far we progressed for a relatively small and conservative public school. Right before the pandemic hit, we were working on a coordinated campaign where we were demanding the university not only address sustainability, but also the health and safety and well-being of the entire Kutztown University community. Unfortunately, that plan is on hold. However, I am grateful for all the work that we have done along the way together. I am also grateful of the experiences that I've gained along the way, as well as the knowledge that some of which is self-taught, but also some of which I've learned by meeting other sustainability professionals at higher ed institutions. This work can be very rewarding. However, it can still be very isolating. Isolating when you feel like you're up against a big system where people care little about the fact that you're a product of their own system and care little of, about your ideas enough to gaslight you in just about every encounter you have with them. During this time, I also began to discover a whole world of people my own age fighting for our sustainable future. Back in 2017, I attended the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. 
That year, it was called COP23. And while I was there, I discovered organizations like Sustain Us. Sustain Us is an organization that brings a delegation each year to major climate conferences like the UN and calls out, no, demands world leaders and multinational corporations who are large drivers behind failed international climate policies that only depend on market-based solutions. As I stayed in touch with friends that I met at COP23, I discovered organizations like the Sunrise Movement. Sunrise, just like Sustain Us, is an organization that is solely led by young adults and majority of their members are all under the age of 35. It was during these moments of dwelling in communion with others that I could relate to people of my own age and honestly for the first time in my life on an issue that I care so deeply about. One of the more pivotal moments for me and helped to solidify that this was my calling I attended a sit-in in the halls of Congress just weeks after the 2018 U.S. midterm elections. Hundreds and even thousands of people packed in demanding Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other members of Congress support a Green New Deal. Partaking in a demonstration like this was completely life-changing and shows the power of the climate change movement. I now see the climate movement more as a movement led by young people and was started by young people and continues to be led by young people. Young activists like Jamie Marklin from here in the United States, as well as Greta Turnberg. In the wake of the sunrise demonstration, I knew that this fight for a better, more sustainable future must continue and cannot be dissuaded by powerful forces in our world. Over these last two years, I started to see more and more that everyday people are yearning to understand how climate change affects them and their daily lives, especially the people that live right here in my own community. I say all of this to say that my story is still being written. And just like others I've met on my own journey, I may have trudged through valleys and climbed mountains to know that these moments are worth it and show me that this is why we are all called to fight for climate justice and why I decided to start this podcast and platform to provide a place for the voiceless to have a voice. Up next, Jackie Bassett, the co-founder of FD Market, will share her exciting story of how she 
is doing what she can to make our world just a little bit more sustainable. So welcome to Sustaining with Shana, Jackie. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. My name is Jackie. I'm one of the co-founders of FD Market, and we are a sustainable everyday goods shop, and we're located in Emmaus, Pennsylvania. Our goal is to provide affordable and practical sustainability products and resources to our local community. All of our products are sustainably and ethically sourced, and we do extensive research to make sure that we're providing the highest quality products to our community. That sounds really exciting. And you mentioned that you are the co-founder. So who is the other co-founder with you? My mom is the other co-founder of the market. She's actually has her own design business. She's an interior designer and she focuses heavily on sustainable design and wellness design, which is healthy materials, not only for in your home, but for the environment as well. And we kind of joined our passions for sustainability and decor together. And that was how the market was born. So is that one of your main influences to opening the business is your relationship that you have with sustainability with your mom? Or is it something else that was a big driver and inspiring you to start your own sustainable zero waste business? Yeah, I think sustainability is something that my parents instilled in us from a very early age, making sure that we were conscious of the consequences of our behaviors and teaching us to be good stewards of the resources that we have. Um, And I think with anything that as much as your parents can be an influence that at a certain point, you have to kind of pick that up for yourself. And so I did a bunch of traveling and took a few earth science classes. And I would say that though I already had those established beliefs that those personal experiences that I then had myself later on in life are what really spurred my deep passion and wanting to get involved and make a difference and start a sustainable business. I remember you saying earlier in one of our previous conversations that you took a class, I think it was what, out in Alaska? And that was really interesting. Would you like to share more about that influential event with the listeners? Absolutely. So I took a trip to Alaska in June of 2018. And we went on a hike one day. We were hiking the Harding Icefield Trail. And starting from the parking lot at the trailhead, there are markers with a date stating where the glacier was that specific year. So as you hike, you're seeing how greatly the glaciers receded over time. And like, as you hike, the years get closer to like further apart and like the difference is greater. And I think that we all know that there's a climate change crisis, but for me to physically see that regression as I was hiking was super impactful. And I traveled the remainder of that year and I saw some other incredible natural spaces. And though, like I said, I was already living pretty sustainably myself. 
I knew that this was a problem beyond just me and that to see a bigger change, I needed to get others involved. And that's kind of, that was a very pivotal moment for me. Mm -hmm. How would you describe how you felt kind of experiencing that for the first time in person and really having a visual to understand the impacts of climate change? It's very overwhelming um, and also convicting. I think it's really easy to feel like hopeless or useless in situations like that because you're like, this is such a huge problem and it's so far beyond me that it's easy to feel like you alone can't make an impact. Um, But it can also be a really powerful feeling like change can be made and we can make that change. And so I think it's also helped me since coming home from travels, it's helped me to recognize like less obvious changes in my own community. Um, So that's been a benefit from it as well. Yeah, I feel like I had a similar experience. I was traveling abroad about five years ago uh, when I was still in college. And we did this study abroad trip in Germany and Austria for a couple weeks. And we stayed in this small town inside of the Stubai Valley. So just south of Innsbruck. And one afternoon as part of our whole curriculum for the class that I was taking at the time, we did this all day hike. And the fascinating part about this is we were supposed to hike half of the 12 mile hike in the evening, the night before and watch the sunrise halfway through the hike, but our plans changed And in a way, I'm glad our plans have changed because we got to experience climbing the mountain, starting to climb the mountain at 6 a.m. And then about noontime, we were at the top of the mountain that was, God, maybe like 8,000 feet. Mm -hmm. And you look down at the bottom of the valley and it's, as far as the eye could see, but the craziest, the most euphoric aspect of it is you're standing on top of the mountain and you're starting to see the clouds roll in and you really see where the earth and the sky meet and kiss each other. And without having that experience and being that in tune with the environment along with your experience of seeing a receding glacier, it's hard to understand the impact and the beauty and the awe that the earth has that I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of us miss. And later in that day, when we were hiking down the mountain, we got caught in the middle of a thunderstorm and to hear the echoing of the thunder off the sides of the the mountain and of the Alps, it was just, it was, again, it was never an experience that I've ever had before <laughs> and after that of not only hearing 
nature and hearing the the power and the beauty of nature but then also when we were on top of the mountain to see it firsthand and I really resonate with your experience of seeing a glacier and seeing it receding and I think your situation and the situation that I experienced are those pivotal moments that kind of lead us onto these paths and which is like a perfect segue into the next question I was going to ask is so your zero waste sustainable good shop but talk a little bit more about the services that you offer to customers and what's your big goals for the community especially with a place like the Lehigh Valley that doesn't really have sustainability um, services like this yet or as readily available as per se other areas do. Absolutely. So of course we sell sustainability products um, and we're working on being able to provide more resources and services to the community. Um, One of the services that we have is we have like a bulk refillable section of our store. So we have natural cleaners and laundry detergent and dish soaps, that sort of thing, where our customers can bring their own container and refill it. And so that's something that you see locally with food more so often than products like cleaners and that sort of thing. And so that's something that we really wanted to be able to offer to our customers Um, We're looking to provide more sustainability services in the future. One that we're working on right now that isn't ready to go yet, um, especially with everything going on right now. But we're working on party rentals where if if you're having an event, customers will be able to rent cloth napkins and plates and forks and that sort of thing and then return them and they'll be sterilized and then somebody else can rent them out again and so that would eliminate a lot of like single-use paper plates and plastics that are typically used for picnics and party parties that sort of thing um we're also we had a couple events we were only open for about three months before we had to close down so we had a few events and we're looking to continue to partner with other local sustainability and healthy living professionals to offer classes in our space we're really hoping that the space can be sort of like a community hub for sustainability and healthy living and that it's just a place where people can come together to learn and grow in their sustainability journey yeah I'm really excited to see what the future what the future holds for you and FT market. Uh, especially when you were talking about the uh, the products that you could have to rent for uh, for parties, and like that sounds really cool because I I've never seen a service out there like that uh, that really exists for people to have a sustainable option for a big events like that. Cause I could see even like having local weddings and stuff like that, being able to use a service like that. 
So kind of building off of that, what is something you wish you would have known before venturing into starting a sustainable business like this? It was a lot harder to find truly sustainable products than I thought it was going to be. A lot of companies um, claim to be sustainable and that they sell sustainable products and they want you to buy their products to carry them in your store. And then once you dig a little deeper past the surface, you realize that the products aren't sustainably or ethically sourced and they're made in China and a lot of them come shipped in plastic. So I didn't realize that it was going to be a lot of digging and researching to make sure that the products that we carried were truly sustainable, Um, that a lot of people don't actually have sustainability at heart, especially big companies see it more so as a trend. And so that's how they're pushing products. Um, So we really had to be diligent about doing research and making sure that the products available to us that we then make available to our customers are truly sustainable and ethical. Yeah. I remember you were saying about a situation that you have, was it one of your suppliers that is a sustainable business, but shipped everything in plastic. Um, And so did they end up did they end up actually sending you all the products without the plastic or how did how did that situation yeah, so go? The, it was the first time that I had ordered with that specific vendor and I dropped the ball. I from that point forward I check in with all of the vendors ahead of time and make sure that they will ship without plastic. Um And I received the order and I opened it up and everything was individually wrapped in plastic. And I was like, this is supposed to be a sustainable business and you're selling products that are supposed to reduce people's like plastic consumption. Yet you wrapped all the plastic, the products in plastic. Um, So I contacted the vendor and they we're happy to send the next order without any plastic packaging. They were like, well, then we can't assume any responsibility if the products are damaged, that sort of thing. Um, and I was, of course, fine with that. I was made sure that they knew that if they weren't willing to ship without plastic, that we would no longer be purchasing their products. And they've sent every, mm-hmm. every order since they've sent without plastic and everything has been a-okay. Um, but that was, yeah, just one instance that, really stood out to me and kind of showed the true colors of like all these companies that claim to be sustainable yet aren't really implementing sustainable practices themselves. Yeah. I feel like I had a similar experience when I used to work for Aramark. I was um, a manager of a Starbucks location at a university and when we would have inventory day and we would unpack everything, even the reusable cups, even if they were metal reusable cups were all in plastic. So the box was fine, but then when you would unbox it, it would be a bag within a bag. And 
And that's unfortunate because that is something that I necessarily couldn't control because I wasn't the one that was necessarily buying the product. Um, But it just goes to show that the whole supply chain is the real problem where you have plastic that is coming from a sustainable business just to wrap the product and Mm -hmm. keep it safe which is really frustrating. And I can imagine not wanting to deal with that as a sustainable business trying to stay true to its word. Uh, So kind of with all of that and learning from those scenarios and situations, is there any advice uh, that you could give for people that are thinking about starting their own sustainable business? Yeah, I think I would have to say to just make sure that you hold yourself accountable and really cling to those core values of sustainability because a lot of times it is easier and more profitable to take the easy way out and just grab a product that was maybe made in China but it has a higher profit margin and oh my customers aren't gonna like dig into it too much and nobody will know but for me it's been worth it to stick to what I know is right and what's ethical and that's made a really big difference and I've seen that our customers really trust that and now they know that the products that they get from us they can we back them up 100% and so it's also two-sided because you need to really hold yourself accountable but you also have to offer yourself a little bit of grace because it is difficult. And I got that shipment in and I felt like a failure because I dropped the ball and I didn't check in and I had a box full of plastic and what was I going to do with it? But I think just then following up and being transparent, um, especially like we have a pretty, we're building a following on social media. And so I make sure that I'm transparent with our followers and that Sometimes I do make mistakes and sometimes plastic does fall into my hands and how in those situations we can take those unsustainable products and maybe make them a little bit more sustainable by extending their life and repurposing them and that sort of thing. So I think just really sticking to those values and also being transparent are really important, especially in sustainability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, really agree and resonate with that. And I think it's important to have that level of self accountability for sure. And going off of that, what is the most rewarding part you would say about your business? Probably the community and the connections that we've made, even in such a short time, we've met so many incredible people. And we've had so many great conversations. I love opening up the floor for deep, meaningful discussions, especially about sustainability and healthy living. And the market has been a great source of that for me. I love to help our customers move towards a more sustainable way of living and encouraging them and making an impact, even if that impact feels small to them. I have a lot of people that come in and they're like, oh, I can't afford to be sustainable and I love showing them low cost ways to slowly transition their lifestyle to a more sustainable one. And I think helping people realize that this is attainable for them has been the most rewarding part for me. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Some of the conversations I've had with people over these last few years about sustainability want to change and they want to make that transition to more sustainable and zero waste life, but they really don't know where to start or they don't know where to make that first impact or that first level of change. And I think it's really important that uh, professionals like us kind of serve as tools and role models to show that it's not it's not that complicated and it's not that hard and I think the perception of sustainability is a lot of times that it's like a cookie cutter aspect of like oh you have this perfect idea of what sustainability is and you you do all these fabulous things and you have to be this kind of person to be sustainable. And it's definitely not that at all. So yeah, I, I really appreciate that your, your business is going the extra mile of really trying to educate the customer, but also properly service the customer as well. Uh, So what, what do you hope for or where do you see your business to go in the next five years? Like I said before, I think I would love to see the market become sort of like a hub for sustainability and to just be like a community space where connections can be made and conversations can be had. Um, I would love for it to be more than just a store, but for a place for the, for the community to come together and grow and learn. Like I said, I would love to see the um, rental portion of our store take off um, and the classes and events. I would love to constantly be having classes and events and just using the space for more than just a store. So when you say hub, do you mean like kind of having a almost like a co-working workshop, educational slash store center kind of all combined into one. Yeah, I would love one. that. I want to get more involved. I've had members of the community be like, hey, we need like a composting resource and we need a recycling resource. And I would love to be able to provide all of those things in one spot. And I think that would be a really valuable resource to our area. I know that a lot of those services are offered, but not many of them are offered in one centralized location. So I really have been trying, especially since this is only, we've only been in business about six months, but I've been trying to really listen to our community and listen to where they feel their needs so that we can kind of translate all of that and kind of centralize it all. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the sustainability efforts happening in Lehigh Valley are kind of spread all over the place and there's inconsistencies and when you look at all the great work that's being done in sustainability in the Lehigh Valley it kind of only stops at a certain group of people and relatively small active and passionate group of people and I feel like 
for sustainability to be effective in any community or any region, we really have to have a more holistic approach. And I'm really excited to see what is going to happen for your business in particular, because I don't feel like a lot of people are thinking about sustainability in that way here in the Lehigh Valley. And it's just, it's not, it's not, what I'm saying is, I guess, is right now it's not enough. And I appreciate the vision that you have that you're looking beyond just meeting people's basic needs and educating them, but looking at the bigger, more holistic picture with it all. Yeah, I think that sustainability in general, it can't be just like one tiny piece of something. Like it's a larger, big picture. And in order for it to truly be functional, you need all the smaller moving parts to make the whole kind of come together. Mm hmm. So kind of with all of that said and some of the things we talked about, where do you currently, where would you currently see kind of sustainability happening in the Lehigh Valley right now? Uh, I touched on a little bit of that, but I kind of was curious to see what your perception yeah, I definitely of that think was that it's trending in a positive direction. I think there still is a lot of work to be done, obviously, but I definitely am seeing people more interested in taking action and making a change. And especially with our store, there are a lot more people that are getting involved than I think I had anticipated. Um, and people asking for, like I said, composting resources and recycling resources. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me with other just sustainability questions in general because they're not exactly sure where to go or where to direct those questions. But it's exciting for me to see that people have those questions and that they are digging deeper and looking for more resources. And like the Emmaus Farmers Market just opened back up the other week and every Sunday to see all those people out there that are shopping locally and even something as small as all the people that are bringing their own bags and cutting down on the single-use plastic there, I think is a step in the right direction. And I just think people more so now in the area are more intentional. They're becoming more intentional about where their products are coming from and the story behind them and where their products are going to go when they're done with them and they're caring more. And I think that's really exciting. And I think we're definitely going to start seeing a larger change stem from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really, it's really important. And I'm really excited to kind of see where that's headed. And as you were saying that I was Shift, uh, shifting gears here, I was thinking um, something that you mentioned about how uh, the farmer's market recently opened. And earlier in this episode, I mentioned that your business opened on Friday, June the 5th. How, how do you see a lot of like good positive traction back in your physical store uh, now that Pennsylvania has uh, started to 
phase into the yellow and green mode, even though now with COVID-19, there's the issue of concerns with like contamination. And that's kind of a contradiction to sustainability because we can't really, for a lot of people, it's like COVID-19 has kind of brought back more of that disposable Absolutely, culture. Yeah. So I've had a lot of, like, we obviously sell like reusable coffee mugs and that sort of thing and I had somebody in over the weekend that was like well you can't even like they won't even refill this at Starbucks right now and I was like well not right now but hopefully in the soon future that'll come back and I was like an even more sustainable alternative to getting your coffee at Starbucks every morning is to make it at home and you can always use your own cup at home so I think just even like people are starting to see that the single use is more about convenience and I've pretty much always been able to have like a comeback or an alternative for everybody that's like, hey, well, I have to use single use right now because there's a pandemic. Um, And I'm pretty sure like every vendor at the farmer's market, you're allowed to bring your own bag. Um, There are definitely a ton of different protocols in place. Um, Even at the farmer's market, that's outdoors. Social distancing is being implemented. You can't touch the food before you buy it. The farmers grab everything and just hand it to you. Everybody has to wear a mask. You can't bring pets. Um, And then welcoming people back into our store, it was a big shift, and our space is super small, so we have to limit the number of people that are in the store at once, which hasn't been a huge problem for us just because we never have more than one or two people in our store at one time. It did get busy um, during the farmer's market, and so I had to ask a couple people to wait outside, but everybody has been more than willing to do so. Um, and even like you said, mm-hmm. with the single use kind of sanitation aspect from things, I actually found that we were bouncing back and forth on whether we were going to open the refillable section of our shop, just because that's like people can bring their own container and refill it. Um, and there is a little bit more of like, they touch the nozzle to fill a bottle, whatever, um, but I found that I can sanitize the entire 400 square feet of our store um, a lot more thoroughly than a big box grocery store or Home Depot is going to be sanitizing things. And I see people at the grocery store picking up a thing of lettuce and then sticking it back. And so just being really intentional about we have hand sanitizer at the door. People use it when they enter. Everybody has to wear a mask. And then I thoroughly clean the whole thing often like multiple times a day and especially this refillable section of our store I clean that after every single customer that uses that section just to make sure that we're keeping things super clean and without damaging like the community aspect of our store so it's been really exciting to welcome people back in after we were closed just as long as we had been open so It was definitely a big challenge for us, and it's been a big relief to be able to welcome shoppers back into our store. So, yeah, I think it's really exciting that uh, you've made it out on the other side of the last six months in business. And it sucks that it, it happened where you were only in business for three months and then had to shut down your physical shop because of the pandemic. But from what I've seen on my end, 
when talking about sustainability here locally, a lot of people are really excited about your business. And I think there are people waiting and are ready to embrace it even more. And I hope not just now, but especially after the pandemic is over, that more of that community will come out and show support. Do you have any kind of final thoughts before we wrap up? Just really excited to be open again. And we have seen, even we were open for three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and there was a large number of people who they found our store on social media during the quarantine. And then they were following along through that shutdown kind of. And so once they were able to physically come visit us, they're doing so. And so we definitely are seeing a community beyond what we had established in the three months that we were open. And we're just really excited to get even more involved with our local community in the future. Yeah, I'm excited to see what's ahead. Thank you so much, Jackie, for coming on the podcast. And and for our listeners, uh, Jackie, and along with FD Market, will be sponsoring not just this episode, like I mentioned earlier, but also the next four, uh, sorry, the next three episodes. So episodes two through five. Thanks for listening to another episode of Sustaining with Shana. You can now listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and many other platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and, of course, leave a review or comment. To follow us on Facebook or Instagram, go to sustainingwithshana.com. Also, what you read and listen to here on the platform was carefully created and curated content made just for you, the listeners. Any generous donations can help to keep me supplying you with great content. Just go to Sustaining with Shana's website. Click on the donate page to donate. Glad you're here. Thanks a million for listening.